Welcome to another episode of Framing New Heights, where abundance is the answer, ceilings don't exist, and beliefs have no limits. Please welcome your host, Coach Mike and Coach Tone. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Framing New Heights. We've got a good one for you today. Coach Mike in the hot seat. Just uh, talk to you about this. We don't often get to talk about ourselves. A lot of people love to talk about themselves, but generally our podcast hasn't even revealed that to anybody. And you had the luxury, which was an amazing story, which I loved. And many of our listeners have, because we've got some good quality feedback on that. I get to spit some of my story today, bro. Yeah, I'm excited to learn a little bit more about you today, man. So is everybody, so a little bit of backstory. I wanted to kind of give a little bit to it, a little bit of backstory for everybody. We've said this before, but you and I have never met in person. That's facts. We've done all of our interactions virtually. I'm out here in Denver, and you're out there in uh, in Wisconsin. We knew each other. Um, we started working together at any time. When you took over Anytime Fitness over, out there, and I was charged with helping lead the uh, the sales growth for, for you guys there. And and we didn't actually hit it off. Uh, <laughs> no. Hit it off as best buds the way we are now. It's it's crazy, yeah. Because and I, I'm gonna share that quick story. We might have shared it a little bit, but yeah, arms crossed. Who is this guy? What does he think he's doing? I think I know everything. And look at where we are now. It's 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 remarkable, man. <laughs> it's kind of like getting in a fight with one of your best friends and the first interaction you have. And then look at us now. It's like you're my brother. You know, it's it's insane. It's totally. I still remember that to this day. It's funny. It's good stuff. You had not been working full time in health and fitness prior to when you were um, when you took over any time. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I had been like doing my own stuff. Gosh, since. 2014 when i say my own stuff just like just personal training this the the physical piece i would just have one or two clients on the side after teaching you know in the evenings i would train them and coach them yeah that's correct gotcha so training a little bit on the side you just mentioned that so i wanted to dive into that a little bit so yeah you're an educator you're a teacher you've got how many degrees Too many to count, and they're there. I was doing some research. Yeah, too many to count. Yeah, the, you know, I'll just give the, the the limelight here or the highlight reel here, real quick. So I think this is my 16th year in education. It took me a little longer to get started, and I can elaborate on that at a later time. I did my undergrad at Concordia University. I did play college basketball there. Dropped out almost with like. I think 12 credits left, had an opportunity. I met a photographer. Did a, yeah, I did a lot of modeling, got to travel the world. And then did that for quite some time, five, six, seven years. And then I remember distinctively hanging out with my buddy, my buddies. We were all in Vegas for a trip. And one's a doctor, one's a lawyer, one's an eye doctor, another one's a teacher. And then there's me. I'm a model. Like, who who wants to live that legacy? It's that's definitely a time frame as far as now. When I say model, I was doing a lot of fitness stuff. I did some runway stuff for Calvin Klein. I was the Ralph Lauren campaign model for them. I had a couple layouts and some fitness magazines. Blah 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 blah. Because significantly, it has been. But I'm just trying to fill up the story. So I'm there. And I said to them, it was actually a, it was a New Year's New Year's Eve. And I said, hey, you know, everybody's making these resolutions. My resolution that day was to go back to school to get my education. And um, hmm. 
so I did. I did. I did as a, I was in my thirties. That was hard, you know, cause now you got all these 20 year, I was the older guy in classes and just regged class. Well, they weren't mm-hmm. regged. They were, cause at that point I was like, you know what? I want to be a physical education teacher. So boom, that's what I did. I got it. Had an amazing teacher instructor, Miss H and she was Dr. H. She was just incredible. I'm so thankful for her because she was really, really awesome. Because biomechanics, I had to take a biomechanics class, y'all. I had to, I had to mm-hmm. take it twice because the first time I failed, the second time I got a C minus was the hardest C minus I ever got in my life. But anyway, and then um, so did that. I then was in education. Got a couple of certifications for that. I got Teacher of the Year one year. I got American Heart Association Coordinator of the Year. That's a national uh, award. I then got into getting into my master's program, administration, and I did that at Cardinal Stritch. So during the time frame, then I've served as a teacher, well, an educator, an athletic director, administrator, coach, and I've done a lot of a lot of coaching from the little ones all the way up mm-hmm. to the college level. I had a pretty awesome, awesome experience, but with coaching basketball it takes a lot of time away i bet that's a lot in there you can unpack a lot from that well so do you have a do you have a favorite level of coaching pros whether from the little ones all the way up to the college did you have a do you have a favorite did you like the pros um i did it for a year only so i was the general manager and head women's basketball coach for what is called they were called the milwaukee aces Semi pro was listed, but we still paid them. And we, I had WNBA players on my roster. Mm-hmm. I had players that played D1 overseas. Overseas is a big one for women's basketball because that's where they get their money. They can't just play in the WNBA. They got to go overseas to play as well. Met some amazing humans who I'm still friends with these days. What's awesome about pro sports tone is you're not necessarily coaching, you're managing, you're adjusting, you're making changes. Okay. Because they they know the work ethic, they know how hard it takes. Because I, you know, I, I I worked my way up. I, I did high school, I did college. I was an assistant coach at a Division three school, and then I got the opportunity. I had a great interview, got hired, and yeah, it's just what's great about that level is they know they'll put in the work, they work out work off their tail, and you don't have to babysit them. Do you know what I mean? Like in high school, you almost got to force them because you know what it takes to win, right? And it takes a lot of effort and a lot of practice continually over, over, and over. But at the pro level, man, you tell them what they do, boom, they do it. And then they adjust on top of it as well. That makes sense because I would argue that that's probably a consistent thing in in general across the board. That's what being a professional means. Right. That, that's what makes this kind of what separates a professional from, let's say, a novice or an amateur, somebody um, not as far along yeah. the path. Right. Um, and they're already aware. They know how they know how their bodies operate. They know how to make adjustments. They have that. What do they call it? Basketball IQ. Yeah. Right. They have the the, the smarts to, to know how to make adjustments and things. That makes a lot of sense. What would you say is the most challenging thing about being a pro coach? That's a great question. You know, well, having the dual roles of general manager and coach. So I, I was recruiting, you know, that was. That's hard. Okay. We are we are limited on certain funds. Yeah, I reached out to the surrounding states, had a few people come in. So I think the biggest thing is is just making sure I'll get to that point. That year, the first year I took over, we went to the national championship game. And what pisses me off to this day, Alex Cohen, hopefully hopefully she 
she's on Instagram. She's a basketball player. I think she plays overseas for Romania. I can't remember, but did also play a stint in, in the WNBA, but mm-hmm. she got injured the night before we were running a simple, simple five on five drill and she got hurt. But I think the biggest challenge was just, I think with, at every, at any level tone is just keeping your athletes healthy. I mean, that's, I think the biggest challenge because I loved it. It was a, it was so refreshing it just was so internally rewarding because they were there to work. And that's what you said. Professionals do work, you know? Sure. And I'm sure that plays a lot or that goes a long way when you, uh, you said you loved it, right? And I'm sure that goes a long way in making most challenging situations a little bit less challenging yeah. when you're fired up about what you're doing. Right. So just what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing is just the physical grind of it was probably the most, tra- the most, most yeah. challenging is keeping your athletes healthy. And, and from, just, I mean, the time the day-to-day frame, grind. I mean, yeah. you're committed, you know, this was not a, I understand everybody that this was a different dynamic. All of my professional athletes had daytime jobs. You know, they would come to practice at night. The coaches had daytime jobs. Hmm. You know, so we were putting in additional hours and then traveling too. Like sometimes we had to go to Detroit. Sometimes we had to go to Tennessee. Like it could be, I think that was probably the biggest challenging is just the time frame away. And that wasn't even a full on WNBA schedule schedule. So I think that's the biggest thing. And I know many pro coaches, they don't, a lot of them are single. Like I'm just being honest. A lot of them are single and the, and the, and the mm. significant others that are with them during that time, they're saints because any woman that, that can be side by side with a head professional coach or even a division one coach for that matter, kudos to them because that is, that is a tough sell for a solid relationship because they're gone all the time. And this episode was brought to you by CBD oil. One of the greatest CBD oil companies you could possibly be using. In fact, if you got some nagging injuries, you want to sleep better. I tell you, I've used this product. I love the product. I put them underneath my tongue before I go to bed. I sleep like a baby. If you are interested in these, you can go to clinicalgummies.com and we give you a discounted price on that by using the code when you get to the checkout, new heights. Enter that code in. They have 1,500 milligrams. They have 3,000 milligrams CBD oils from Pure Amish Hemp. It's third-party tested, so nothing but the best. You will get, if you subscribe now or set it up, you'll get 30% additional off or with that code, well over 50% off. So regular retails at 139 for 300 milligrams and 101 for 1,500 milligrams. So you'll basically pay 55 for 3,000 milligrams or 41 for a 1500 milligrams after you enter that code that code again is new heights so let's rewind a little bit let's go a little bit further back um we've talked about your modeling we've talked about your education we've talked about your coaching we've talked about a little bit of professional career things like that so let's let's rewind the tape a little bit tell us about uh, a little bit more about your childhood and kind of upbringing what was that like for you no brothers no sisters dad got mom pregnant now let me let me explain here real quick dad was six six Eh, six five. Nah, I probably exaggerate. Probably six three. Had polio. Not walked with a noticeable limp. Very German. Didn't know him very well because as soon as he got my mom pregnant, he was gone. I remember my mom would try to get alimony and support, and quickly he was changing jobs, changing jobs. There was a little bit of time. I think when I was about eight years old, nine years old, my mom reconnected with him. He had a bar slash. Liquor store combined, we visited visited him in Madison, Wisconsin at that time. And then, you know, 
just never around. I remember my mom would say, yeah, your dad's coming to pick you up. And I'd be the kid waiting hmm. and he would never show. Never really had a true father figure than my mom remarried my stepdad who was 15 years older. And my stepdad was just, we were very poor growing up. We did this cheese at the church. We did the free groceries, the, the Thanksgiving dinners. We had the old beat up cars, which I was always embarrassed. My mom would be like, you want me to drop you off? I was like, no. We drop off like a, a blocker way and I'd walk over. My mom was a very, very much a avid smoker like chronic smoker. And I absolutely despised it. It was always in the house. It's always on my clothes. I remember just putting blankets underneath the door. So none of it would come into my bedroom, but just an amazing mom in the beginning, we through the process, you know, so she married my stepdad. So we basically worked at a factory. My mom had a high school education. My stepdad had an eighth grade education. So the education there wasn't really you know, I mean, it's, they were very, very blue collar. My mom would work like at the gas station or, you know, just to make some ends, ends meet. I will say this though. I was always cared for, meaning that I always had the best clothes. Christmases okay. were amazing. My mom spoiled me with everything that they had. I mean, I got, I was always the one that had all the toys, all the video games. I, I did have all that. But then as I gotten older, you have a little bit of a following out with, with your parents. I was very fortunate enough because I was very gifted as an athlete. And uh, I remember uh, Sheboygan Lutheran High School at the time. I was in eighth grade and my mom had registered me at the public school. And mind you, I've, I was I was raised Lutheran. I was raised for, at St. Paul's Lutheran Church. We went to church every Sunday, sat in the pews. I remember as a little boy, I it was very strict. I would have to sit there with my, with my hands folded, you know, and if I didn't, you you got the you got the hit like man, you better straighten up and listen. That's, I didn't like that piece as a, as a, as a child, but I understood how impactful it was now as I'm an adult, but when you're that little, you, you, you don't understand. Yeah. You don't understand that. So, so we're there. I had the opportunity. I remember eighth grade year, Sheboygan Lutheran's principal shows up at my school and they're like, are you interested? It's like, well, I don't really thought I was going to Sheboygan North. In fact, I remember the first day of school, I'd had friends that were going to Sheboygan North and they would be like, yeah, you got called. We thought you were coming. And I'm now at Sheboygan Lutheran. So the whole story mm -hmm. is they gave one athletic scholarship for a boy. And they gave one athletic scholarship for a girl to the high school. At that time, I think the, the cost was 4000 It's probably way more than that. It's probably like, gotcha. say, 20 to probably go there now. So the understanding was I got all my books paid for. And then I got full ride, basically. But the advocate was you had to do four sports. So all four years, they we didn't have football, y'all. Okay, let me just explain that. We didn't have football. So we had either soccer or cross country. I was not a soccer player because I never played soccer. So I ran cross country to get in shape hmm. for basketball. And then, and then it was basketball. And then it was tennis. And then it was baseball in the summer. So I did those for all four years. Barring I had my junior year, I was getting looked at for baseball. Because I could throw about 86 miles an hour. Sure. My my arm, my arm kept hurting, and I didn't understand why. So I found out my right arm, throwing arm, I had calcium deposits built up. It was kind of like a mountain around, around it, which really caused a lot of pain, which then transcended into my basketball season, 
which then a lot of schools lost interest, right? Because <laughs> uh, he's injured, blah, 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 blah. So I was fortunate enough to still go on and play, but just not as where I reluctantly wanted to go. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the gist of where my journey was. You know, my mom, love her. She died when she was 66 years old. We had a little bit of a rocky patch towards the end of her life. I believe she had some kind of bipolar or some kind of something mentally wasn't stable. Always felt like everything was against her. We always <laughs> collided. Conversations was always would start an argument. So I just started to distance myself. My mom, again, as I stated earlier, yeah. was a chronic smoker. She then developed COPD and then she got onto oxygen. And then as that had occurred, like I remember as she was getting older, well, not older, but relatively older before she had died, she could literally not walk probably 10 steps without significantly being out of breath. And and when I was in the house, she would be so upset and so frustrated that I wasn't doing something correct. And then it just, so fast forward, I remember I was teaching my first, my first school. And I get a call, Michael, you got to get to the hospital, hospital. Yeah. Your mom's in the hospital. So I get to the hospital. Mind you, I'm dating, dating a girl who just recently got diagnosed with breast cancer. She, she hears about it. She comes with me. So we're at the hospital. So we walk in My mom's okay. Uh, we talk, Kate, my, my girlfriend at the mm-hmm. time who I did propose to, and that stopped. And I can get into that if, if we really want to get into it, but. She faints right there in the room where my mom is. So now they get her, they put her on the third floor. My mom's on the first floor. So this day I'm running back and forth on that day, back and forth, back and forth. Are you okay? Okay. Are you okay? Okay. Finally, Kate gets discharged. We say I had an opportunity. My mom always loved peanut butter fingers. I got her a candy bar that night. We had a candy bar. And I'm going to get a little emotional here talking about this because. So I remember giving her the the candy bar. She she gets up to go to the bathroom and just comes right out, <laughs> right, right out from her. And I, at that moment, I was like, it's coming. It's coming. So, but she was fine. The vitals were fine. Everything was good. So I was like, well, hey, I'm going to take my girlfriend back home. And this was West Dallas for those of you that want to know the difference in time. So it was about a good 45 minutes to an hour from where we had to go back. So we go back that night and 10 o'clock, like clockwork, because I had to work the next day. I went to bed and literally 30 minutes later, I get a call. You got to get here as quickly as possible. So I don't remember the drive. I literally probably was doing 90, 100 miles an hour. I don't even, I don't even, it was totally blanket. Like didn't understand. Don't even remember. I get their tone and I see nine people in this room working on my mom. And they've been working on her for 45 minutes just to keep her alive. So again, the room and this goes on. They keep saying, you want us to keep going? Yeah, yeah, keep going. Don't stop. So now it's another hour. So they've been working on my mom for about an hour and 45 minutes. And they're like, Michael, I don't, we don't think this is not going to change. So I said, okay, I felt the, I felt something come over me and I said, okay, stop. And that's when the tears just fucking came out. Hmm. And then as they came out, 
Now they're all exiting the room, right? One by one. And I'm standing there sobbing, looking at my mom who gave me everything. You guys, my mom, I think she'd be really proud of me. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think she'd be really proud of me today. So I'm standing there in the... Take your time, man. As I'm choking up here, y'all. <laughs> I'm practicing vulnerability, everybody. <laughs> standing in the actual doorway at this time, and I'm looking at my mom. And uh, and for those of you that don't believe in a higher power, what I'm about to tell you right now is remarkable. As I'm sitting there, or standing there, rather, looking at my mom... Three times I hear my mom say, I'm okay, Michael. I'm okay, Michael. Her spirit was still in the room as she was transcending into heaven. And that day, I I became a man. I mean, she died, you guys, when she was 66. How old were you at that point? Very, very young. 37, 36? I say all that because if you have a, have a belief in a prayer system and prayer is obviously a big, big foundation of me. Cause I mean, there's been some turmoil in my life that I contemplated either and wanting to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Cause that's one of the questions I had coming into this was um, since I've known you, it seems like you're very grounded and strong in your faith. And it sounds like it's um, very, very, Almost, I'd probably say it a, a bedrock or a cornerstone for your life, um, at least from from my perspective, anyways. Um, so you said you went to um, Sheboygan Lutheran. Um, was that where? Where did you? Where did your faith journey start? I guess was that imparted to you from from your mom, from family, or was it from more when you went to time in school? Let's uh, let's go through your kind of journey. How has that really um, impacted your life? Yeah, yeah, man. Ah, and just so somebody asked my mom, my mom was a foundation. She started it from the strict perspectives of sitting in, in that. And at Sheboygan Lutheran during chapel, I remember Miss Miller bringing out the guitar. We sing Chris or would not Christmas there, but we sing songs and, you know, things of that nature. And my, you know, just the, it's interesting when you can have a great, and it's just a relationship with your creator. If, however you want to title it, but I know that I can rely on him at any particular time. Cause I'm going to share a story with you all real quick here. I get, I'm getting a little emotional on some stuff, but so I taught at a, at a first school and I, I had these four awesome young kids, Malcolm, Stefan, Darius and Malik. I foster these kids. I coach these kids. In fact, two of them I became legal guardians for. They ended up living with me so that they could go to quality high school. So I kind of got them out of where they are going because I knew where the public school that they were going to was just going to be an ugly school. So anyway, fast forward. It was a summer. This was about four or five years into my first placement of where I was at. And uh, a gym reached out to me. Hey, Michael, because I was just well known in the fitness industry and I just had connections because I still was always advocate for fitness since uh, since undergrad, like since I was 19 or 18. I was told I, I've lifted since then. And I, I, they're like, hey, we're, we're doing this youth boot camp. We want to be involved. I got, yeah, I got these kids. Per- they're like, perfect, cool. So I pick up the kids every single day. Like I think it's for a week. And then we drive out to the south side of Milwaukee. They would do the camp. And then I remember I had a boat at the time. 
And the kids would be like, Mr. Hicks, Mr. Hicks, can you bring the boat? Can you bring the boat? Oh, gosh, I really don't want to bring the boat. Finally, they're like, I, they, they, they kept asking me. And this was like day two. And I think the camp was day five. I go, okay, I'll bring it the next day. So I did. I had an F-150 in my big boat, right? The kids get in. So after the boot camp, we drive out to Browns Lake. Browns Lake is out. In, uh, it's probably from Milwaukee, probably about an hour southwest. Okay. Small little lake, little lake. So we get in the boat, beautiful day. Uh, we're trolling and I stop. Darius, he's, uh, he goes, well, he had his socks on. I'm like, Darius, why do you still, have-? he's like, ah, oh, Mr. X, I can swim like Michael Phelps. So mind you, I'd stopped the boat and I didn't put the acre down because I just, I just was in the moment. He jumps in. Now Malik, Malcolm, and Stefan are still on the boat. And he comes up and he's panicky. The kids are laughing. They think it's a joke. And I'm like, shit, this is this is not a joke. Now, I reacted out of instinct. Now, as I look back, I would have done things differently. I jump in. The banks, the, the boat's not anchored. It's just me. And Darius, Darius, if, if anybody of you ever tried to save someone that was drowning, they're panicking. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get them under control, you're in trouble. Well, I didn't have any swimming instructions at that time. We're both going down like a bobber, right? He's panicking, I'm panicking. Next thing you know, I look off in the distance, the boat's 20, 30 yards away. It's drifting. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's, what's going to happen. All the next thing I know, I remember getting pulled up. I felt my arm getting mm-hmm. pulled up. I'm laying on this, this, this fisherman's boat. Water's pro- just profusely coming out of me. Darius had drowned. Um, I, had, I had to uh, uh, retain a criminal attorney. I was on the news. It was a it was a big deal, you know. Teacher, teacher. It, it was just a whole 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 thing. Obviously, I wasn't found guilty on that. It, it was it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I say all that because you know I. It goes back to my faith tone because during that process, this was in the summer. I didn't want to be here anymore. I was like, what is my purpose? Why am I here, God? And I can't remember to this day who gave me the book, but this is why I even do have the program that I have established now because I, I think people can relate to where I've been and what I can, and I can help them. I was given the book Purpose Driven Life, and I read it, and I was like, it was unbelievable, the transformation. I remember, I don't know if anybody has ever gotten to this where, Tone, I, I don't know if everybody's ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I cried so hard. I remember where if you were standing up, you lose you lose control of your entire body. That's how hard I would cry every single day after this whole situation was happened. I would get hundreds and hundreds, I'm not lying, of calls, emails, texts. Miss Tricks, we love you. Um, this is not your fault. Whatever you need from us. 
pastors, everything just reached out to me. And, and I was just like, yeah. Um, so you had talked about my faith, my faith. If it wasn't for my faith, I wouldn't be a father. I don't think I'd, I, I'd be here. Um, it's just, it's remarkable how through the darkest moments of our lives, if we just give ourselves and be like, I'm your temple. How do you, what do you need from me? And by no means am I saying I'm perfect by any means that I made a lot of mistakes in my life. And that, that, that's definitely a scary story that I just shared with you. And I'm much better now. I'm not, I, you know, I'm not as emotional as I was, but, um, so long story short, so many of people, mm-hmm. many, many people were probably like, well, what happened? Um, so it, the, it went to of a course. civil, civil trial. And then my, lucky I had insurance, but, uh, Darius's family was compensated very, very well through the insurance piece, which obviously money doesn't do anything, but it was something. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So when people want to talk about, they've been through some tough shit. That's uh, only, I've been there, man. I've been there where it's like, why am I here? What's my purpose? You know, I remember Tone on the podcast. I really like your analogy that you use. Are you just a leaf on a branch that the wind catches it? You're just going with the flow. Because if you are, you're, your life's got to be miserable. That's a fact. Thanks thanks for sharing that, man. That's, that's some heavy stuff, you know. Um, and how I relate this type of thing is... You know, when I go through something, when I experience something negative, um, or maybe I don't even let's not even attach a positive or negative to it. Let, let's say let's uh, unpleasant or or challenging or even dark times in life, whatever the case is, or make a mistake or whatever. Um, I think we're very similar in that we have very high standards for ourselves, and you're constantly telling my you're telling me all the time lighten up, you know, you know, take, you know, go easy on yourself. Stop being so hard on yourself. And so what helps me through this is like you mentioned, you have your faith. Um, what also comes to mind for me is that it just means I'm human. It's, it's, it just means we're human, dude. It's part of the human experience. <laughs> you're right. You're right. I, I, for those of you that like country, Western music, country music, there's a song by Cody Johnson. It's called human. That song explains exactly what tone just said anyway continue <laughs> um and so that answered one of my questions coming in was i really wanted to know um how your faith has 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 um carried you through some some challenging moments in your life sometimes of adversity and i don't think it gets much more challenging than losing a a student yeah. or somebody that you're that you're charged with right with their with their care whatever the case may be on that now would you say that 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 purpose-driven life um finding your purpose i totally agree with that man when when i'm not about my purpose when i'm lost and and i think a lot of people can relate to this as well when you just don't know what you're here for life is not fun at that point you're coasting. Life is not fun. So with, with that, with exactly, you're coasting, you're being blown about in the wind, so to speak. Like you mentioned, I like that as well. Um, would that be where you would say your personal growth journey kind of reset or started right there? 
Yeah, you know what's so funny, and thank you for asking that. So I had this pretty boy. If you look at the images behind me, I was a pretty boy, clean cut. I had the NSYNC hair, you know, like the little, the little high tip, the, the, the <laughs> frosted tips. Tip. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had all that. So after all that happened, Tone, I wanted to change my image. So this is the reason at that point why I grew my hair. You reinvented I was yourself. Like, I did. And then I went and got my master's. Nothing. I, I, I became more resilient from that perspective. And I I did not like the old me. Hmm. I did not. And I love the new me. I love who I have become. I love. Now, have I made mistakes? Have I hurt people? Boom, I have. I love who I am. Because if you truly love who you are, you can be the best version to anybody else. Absolutely. And I say that all the time here as well on our show is that, you know, the better you become, the more everybody else around you benefits, the world at large. Everybody benefits from you becoming a better person. And I think um, without realizing it, maybe what you just said ties back into one of, I think, the the foundations of personal growth and development. It's not what you have. It's not what you do. It's what it's who you become in the process. Life is about becoming and elevating and growing. And and like you mentioned, um, elevating who you are. And I think that that's really cool that you had that opportunity or that awareness or you made that decision to um, basically reinvent yourself and your identity and become somebody um, better. Right. Somebody who you like, somebody who you're proud of. And now you said it 15 minutes ago that somebody that your mom would be proud of uh, today. And, I, you know, I would I would venture to say I didn't know her, but I would second second that notion, my friend. Were you a father uh, at this point? Did you have your daughter yet? So for those of you that want to know, I will turn 50 when this is released. And everybody's like, no way. You're 50 years old. I've come to grips with it that I am, and I, in our next podcast, we're going to be actually talking about supplementation, y'all, and you're going to get to know a little bit what I take and how I am who I am and why I look the way I look. No, so I I had my daughter when I was 42. Now, mind you- Okay. <laughs> it's Alzheimer's. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks, assholes. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got you. Uh-huh. All right. So we can get we can get in a little bit on that real quick. I've been so I met I met Nola's mom, a great human being. She's a fantastic mother, educator as well, wholesome, collective, intelligent. And yeah, I we we connected. She had a great family. We had a great we we had a very similar story. She had lost her mom early. I lost mine. That really connected us. We had this amazing human being, which is now my daughter, uh, Nola. And at some point, if she ever does listen to this as she gets older and finds out she is the most incredible, kind, caring, loving, intelligent, beautiful, strong, brave girl, I should say. She's, she's still a girl. She's not, she's not going to date till she's 36, okay? Just letting everybody know. <laughs> Blue-eyed, blonde-haired, but it, it's kudos to even though her mom and I are divorced. Kudos to her, to her mom for who my daughter is, and I think to me as well. And I just, I, I, I think as you, for those of you that are listening that are that are maybe going through a struggle with with like divorce and and co-parenting, it can be really a struggle at times. 
no matter how you look at it, just look at the kid. If your kid gets two letters from two teachers stating how amazing, intelligent, and kind they are, I posted on my social media a little while ago. That's just a highlight of who you are as a parent. So yeah, I had I had my daughter late. I, I I'm glad I had her when I had her tone because I was too immature. I wasn't ready for a family, and. I made the notion, and I'm going to tell you right this, I fought tooth and nail through the divorce to get my daughter 50-50, which cost me a lot of money, a lot of money, y'all. And that's why I think divorce is a whole new different story, but we don't need to go out and impact that. But I wouldn't do it any differently because I've got this remarkable human that I'm going to bring into this world that's going to have a Hicks tradition. And I always tell my daughter, the Hicks has never quit. And my motto for my business is 1% better every single day in mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. So it's always trying, striving to be better. I love it. I love it. And I, I just made a similar post uh, as well. It's, it's, it's consistency and growth, right? Consistent improvement, right? And it's always seeking to, to be, be, uh, to be better be, you know, we don't need to go down that road. I think you said it perfectly. Um, so how would you say your personal growth journey and mindset and even your coaching practices, which we can get into a little bit later as well before we wrap. Um, how has that carried into your experience as a father? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you this. And parents that are listening, our kids see and watch every single thing we do. I'll give you an example. This is hysterical. <laughs> So I hold my hands a particular way in my in my reels that I post every single day. So I am recording and doing my content. She's over in this little area watching me and mimicking me. So the other night, <laughs> I, I was like, I thought I, I thought, you know, and I had to keep my, my eyes still on the camera. So as I'm tucking her in at night, she goes, Dad, she goes, can you put your hands a different way? I go, well, what do you mean, honey? She goes, what? And she, she, she doesn't, she can't say, she said content or contract or something like that. When you're doing your contract, can you just, you know, I go, well, can you show me? So she's showing me all these ways. I'm like, ah, oh, honey, you got to be open to the camera. You can't just be so, your arms can't be crossed. You have to be open because you want, well, she's like, you should move your hands more. I go, but then they're going to look at my hands. <laughs> so going back to what you said, I was in a relationship after I divorced, after I got a divorce with Nola's mom and it started out really good. I think it was a rebound. I really do. As I look back, because I just jumped too quick into it. She's a remarkable woman. She's an amazing woman, Hmm. but there were about three or four years towards the end where I just became stale. I didn't self grow. Hmm. I was very depressed. I was very unhappy. I was like, again, I was searching for my Dharma. I didn't know what it was. It took me to be out of that relationship tone to read 172 books in the last six months, to constantly try to redevelop myself, to want to help other people strive and be successful. You know, somebody asked me yesterday, so now that you're going to turn this monumental number, what are you going to do? I said, make, I'm going to say, I'm going to be kinder. I'm going to be happier. I'm going to smile. I'm going to love hard. I'm going to drink my water. I'm going to make other people's lives better. That's my job. And and if my daughter takes any of those things, mm-hmm. 
then I fulfilled myself as a parent. Boom. That's huge. I love it. And what comes to mind too is I've heard it from other parents before and for everybody who's listening, I'm sure you already know, I don't, I don't have any kids yet myself. So working myself into becoming the type of person, the type of man that would be a good father and things like that in the future as well. So um, I love learning and having these, having these conversations, but I, I've been told that kids don't listen to what you say, go figure. Uh, they don't, <laughs> um, but they, but they do what you do. So it's more about literally setting the example. And what you said there is that they watch, she watches everything that you do. And I think that's huge. I have a calendar I put up in the in our little kitchen for a uh, uh, kitchen area, and then I'll X off the days because my mom used to do that all the time, and I was like, I'll never do that. So she has to have a calendar and do the exact same thing, and then writes little days and little messages by dads, by mom. Like, <laughs> y- yes, they. So parents, whatever you are doing, they are watching you like a hawk. <laughs> what lessons has she taught you when she first was born? I remember, and I was the dad that I was all up in there. My eyes were all up in there looking. (laughs) I yelped like a little schoolgirl. I was so blessed and happy and grateful. She makes me want to be the best dad there is. And uh, I hope (laughs) she often says I am. So, yeah. Get choked up here. (laughs) (laughs) So now we fast forward. We're here. We've got a podcast going. You found your purpose in life. You've got your goals for the big five Oh coming up. You've got your, um, live, live to be fit, which is now, as I understand, I've watched it be rebranded as live to thrive, uh, striving to be better, 1% better in mind, body, and spirit every day. So tell us a little bit more about your coaching platform and what's coming down the pipeline for us. Yeah, first I want to give a shout out to my coach who we've interviewed, Marco Robinson. He has developed a lot of strong, great framework for me. I'm in the process of developing my webinar right now, which will be online hopefully by April sometime, where I'll have individuals that will be able to come in, take a look at it, and we can set up a free consultation. I'm working with two or three clients. It's ah, three clients that I have right now online. I've got one that is in the there's, – there's, so it's a, it's a three-month program. It's basically 12 pillars, and I'm rebranding you to be 90% more revitalized, meaning that you're going to have more of a sense of purpose, more a sense of belonging. You're going to be stronger in your faith. You're going to be stronger in your fitness. You're going to be stronger in your mind. You're going to have a better, well-rounded relationship, not only with yourself, but with everybody around you. In fact, I'm going to be posting some reels about that coming up here shortly. Um, I'll probably post some of my content today. But yeah, Live to Thrive is for the individual that is already successful, but they've got some self-doubt. They are, they need the motivation. They need the, the light. They need some guidance. They need some direction. I'm going to be fully transparent. I'm not going to take someone that's not, doesn't have those pieces. I want someone that's got the drive already. They just need a spark. You follow mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Kind of going back to what I was talking about earlier with our, mm-hmm. with our coaching, a professional. I'm a little lost right now. I don't really yeah. know necessarily how to get there, how to do it. I do work out. I just don't know what I'm doing. Man, I'm struggling with my relationships. I'm struggling with myself. I don't know what what my purpose is. I'm kind of like that leaf in the wind. Don't really know. My program, I guarantee, will be 
uh, 90%, you'll guarantee it'll be 90% revitalized you in, in 12 weeks. I love it. It sounds a little bit like you're looking for maybe former versions of you. Amen. A- 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 amen. <laughs> if I would have, if I would have had me earlier, yes, but I mean, I don't do the what it could have, should have stuff, but yes. Yeah. I don't know if you want to call it paradigms or perspectives. I think was that uh, when I'm going through my own coaching and things like that too, is be who you needed. Right. Oftentimes I think our customers or our clients or our avatars, so to speak, the ideal uh, persona of who we would want to work with is basically us from five years ago. Relatively speaking, that might not be the same for you. It might not be the same for everybody, but that's one of the things that kind of comes to mind. And I think there's a lot of, of value in the fact that you've lived your life experience and you can help other people who are currently living that same life experience from their own seat, if that makes sense. And you are well, uniquely qualified in helping them navigate those waters, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Thank you for saying that's exactly that's exactly it. It's taken me a little bit of time to realize how happy you can be. Your life should be happy. It, you should l- want to wake up every damn day because it's the great day, greatest day that God's given to you on this planet. Because you never know which day it's going to be. It's you don't know what's going to be your last day. My buddy, my buddy drove in from like he drove in from Minnesota. I'll say this real quick, and he drove five hours just to see me on my birthday. And he goes to me. He goes, Hicks, we play ball. We always used to use everybody's last name. You know, he's like, you know how many people have heart attacks? You know how many people die? He's like, this is monumental. He's like, you're in great health. You're blah, blah, blah. He's like, I didn't look at it from that side. But I'm grateful every single day. I'm <laughs> beyond blessed. And I, I want to say this, everybody, really quick. Make sure you surround yourself in your foxhole with individuals that care for you, that pray for you, that want you to be successful. And you need to know who your cheerleaders are. And like Coach Tone will call me. He, he had something happen that's pretty cool. That This is the first opportunity for him. We've been sharing some things, and I don't want to get too much on your business. But, you know, it's kind of cool because I was excited for him. But also find people that pray for you. Pray for you. That piece is vitally important. And I want to give one quick shout out to uh, Mother McCoy. She's my mother from another mother. I don't obviously have a mom anymore, but I met her. I met her at my first placement at school. And she now remotely teaches my daughter Bible classes on Saturdays when I have her. She prays for me. Any tough times that I'm going through, I've got some serious stuff that uh, I got a serious surgery that's going to be coming up in, in May. And she's just always there for me. She's just praying for me. There's nothing better in your toolbox, y'all, when you have someone that can pray for you. Fact of life. Well, Mike, I uh, really appreciate you uh, sitting here with me today and, and letting us peel back the layers uh, to your story. And, and we all got to know you a little bit better on on uh, different levels today. And I appreciate you being open open with everybody today. I know that was uh, challenging in, at some moments. So props to you for that. How, uh, how can people uh, get a hold of you? It- yeah. If they want to learn more about your yeah, services. Yeah, no, thanks for asking. So you guys can just go to my Instagram, Coach HicksMB. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Coach underscore Thank HicksMB. You. Thank you. You can go to www.livetobefitcoaching.com and you get me there. I'm I'm available any any possible way. I'm starting to get a lot of spammers though, man. For some people, they're getting my numbers and asking me. We're, uh, it's it's the bizarrest thing. I don't, I don't know what's going hmm. on. but Yeah. 
<laughs> comes with the territory, right? Hey, that concludes another episode of Framing New Heights. Coach Mike, Coach Tone here, as always. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate your feedback. Please continue to give those five-star ratings and ask us any questions along the way. As always, stay better, stay committed, 1% better in mind, body, and soul. And Tone, most importantly, stay Stay flexed. flexed.